welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. Today is Thursday, November 8th, otherwise known as Cook Something Bold Day. Any thoughts on that? Nothing. I got a thought. I could riff on this. Okay, because I was going to say I'm not very bold with what I eat or what I cook. So You've been getting more bold, though. That's true. I am becoming... Bolder? Slightly Is that a adventurous. Word? You're trending bolder. There we go. There you go. <laughs> the graph is trending bold. Yeah. Bold is also just a weird word for that. It's not like spicy. It's just like bold. Like, okay, yeah, it's, it's not... It's open-ended. Yeah. Well, Chris, you've got a hot take on this, so what have you got? I'm excited to hear it. Salsa on Pop-Tarts? <laughs> no, it's not that hot. It's more on the macro. And it's what I've noticed is that with all these weird holidays, it seems like they're overwhelmingly food related like more like way more than anything else which i get we eat a lot right but there's something else we do almost as much as we eat defecate that's right and there's nary a holiday (laughs) on it i bet there's one i think there's there's, one day a year there should be two oh hey there we go so that's my hot take it's pretty good. I'm glad that I put that audience applause in post because otherwise it would have been all crickets. Well, you know where they celebrate year round is in the deep deuce. There we go. Badoosh. <laughs> awesome. Well, enough of this. This is a terrible, terrible intro to a podcast. But we are going to remind everybody WorkbenchCon is coming very soon. Ben, you've got all the details on this. When is it? Where is it? How can people find out more? So, WorkbenchCon is in Atlanta, Georgia. February 21st through 23rd, 2019, so early next year. But tickets are on sale now, and almost all of the early bird tickets are gone. So go to workbenchcon.com and get yours now. I've had a few people message me like, hey, was it worth it? What do you think I'm thinking about going this year? I say, it, like, I thought it was a blast last year, and I'm normally, like, very anxious about those kinds of situations. You know, I'm not, like, super outgoing or whatever, but I thought I had so much fun just, like, hanging out with everybody. I thought that, like, there was a lot of good information for people who are looking to get deeper into this, so I, I think it's well worth it. I thought it was a ton of fun. Yeah, I think it was great from a community aspect of just meeting the people that I watched their content. Uh, it was cool kind of putting a face to a name and meeting the people that I hadn't. The people that gave talks did a great job. It was good for the people that would be interested in making content themselves. Or there was definitely those talks that were more ori- oriented towards people that were just interested in diversifying what they make or how they make or what they use to make things with. Yeah. It wasn't all about content and it wasn't all about particularly making things. It was right in the middle where it should have been. Uh, it was a great atmosphere, low pressure in terms of that whole social aspect everyone was super friendly it was Mm -hmm. very obvious where everyone was kind of gathering and meeting and chatting so if you're on the fence i couldn't recommend it more it was honestly a great experience for me and from what i heard from the other people that came the other people that spoke and the people that were just here to hang out and meet people and and learn more it was awesome and we have an all-star cast of speakers coming to this one not only are three of us going to be there <clears throat> the all-stars izzy swan's gonna be there anna white who doesn't normally hang out with the whole you know youtube crowd uh she's coming all the way from alaska but she's like oh, the wow. og of you know diy furniture plans online brad rodriguez from fix this build that and of all trades uh our good buddy johnny brook uh like and on and on paul jackman So there's a lot of really cool people with different perspectives. Uh, I haven't seen Izzy Swan in a bit, so I'm looking forward to catching up with him. Glenn from DIY Creators is going to be there. Yeah, I want to pick his brain on some of that that cool LED light action that he puts into all his projects. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so it's going to be a blast. We're going to get there probably a day or two early. It's going to be lots of drinks, lots of hanging out. Last year was fun, and this uh, year will be even better. Yeah, so if you're interested, get a ticket, do it now before prices go up, and we will see you there. All right, so Chris, what have you been up to this week? Uh, A couple things. So I got a video that should already be out by the time you're listening to this, which stop me if I've talked about it before. I I say that a lot on the podcast, but that's because I'm like... I have no idea what I, I never remember what I talked about before. I think you should make it to where you talk about what video you released. Unless you have some kind of ongoing project. Yeah, like with me, I, you know, I'm doing the bathroom. That's taking a few weeks. That's, that's right. time, right? But on a week to week basis, I feel like we should talk about what we put out, what we released. Okay. So here's what should have just released, which is 
different for me, different kind of project. And I decided to do, so since I moved the shops, I'm going to be using my job site saw a lot more. So Mm -hmm. I had to set up all the different jigs that I'm used to using on my other table saw that, you know, can't just like fit right onto this table saw. So I was like, all right, I need to rebuild a crosscut sled. I got to do the, like the vertical panel jig that I use for like making the angles that are greater than 45. And so I thought, well, why not make a video where I show how to build a couple of jigs and then also just go over the accessories that not aren't necessarily the best table saw accessories, but the ones that are like most important to me, the ones that I personally get the most use out of. So that's a different type of video that I've ever put out before. So that should be out as of yesterday. So go check that out. It'll be interesting to see what people think of it. I know it's going to be aimed, I think, a lot... I, I, I think it's the type of video that has a lot higher of a uh, potential to reach new people that haven't necessarily seen me before and maybe are like just getting interested in woodworking. So I played it a little bit more straightforward. So I think it'll be interesting to see what the people who are used to my content think of something like this. Uh, but don't worry, I'm not going to transition to this. It's still going to be mostly project-based. That's awesome. So are you also planning on doing some shop projects around the new shop that you're moving into as well? Yeah, for sure. And um, I mean, that's actually something that, you know, I'll get into that a little bit later because I think it's probably going to have something to do with one of the questions that somebody asked. But oh, okay, cool. Yes, I am. Awesome. And all that is moving pretty, pretty swimmingly. All your, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, all your big machines are moved. Yeah, all the big machines are moved. Like I've start, I've already produced a whole project out of there, which will come out next week the the wireless charging nightstand i built the whole thing out of there um and i'm working on something else for that project which is you guys are familiar with those uh cricket machines i don't know if you call it a cricket or a cricut oh a cricket yeah yeah, yeah. they're yeah yeah they're they cut like fabrics and textile yeah so so they have this other one called the maker that'll cut like all the you know papers and all that stuff and it also cut leather and like thin woods so i'm working with them to do a black friday promotion So that'll be interesting. I haven't put it all together yet, but this week, so what I'm going to do is I want to do something that like integrates it into the type of project that we would normally do. So I'm making something that I've never made before, which is a a trapezoid shaped drawer that'll go in that nightstand. And then I'm going to make some kind of a handle using the Cricut. And then I'm going to do some other projects with it also that are like more, I guess you'd say like directly in line with the type of things that people would typically use it for but i think it'll be interesting to see like how it does it have a place like in the whole lineup of the tools that we tend to use like you know obviously cncs are becoming more commonplace and i kind of think of it as like a very light version of a cnc because it's you know doing the same kind of cutting but obviously it's not going to do it as heavy duty of material i'll tell you what something that i've been really interested in in adding to my arsenal is a vinyl cutter can this do that Mm -hmm. as well yeah, I think it can, actually. Man, because that's something that I've been wanting to try for a little while for different reasons. I think it would be awesome to make window decals. I thought that would be something really cool for the store that I was just doing. Um, I mm-hmm. think it would be awesome for labeling, especially once I get into a more permanent shop, being able to build out drawers and have really cool-looking labels where everything is uniform, organized really nicely, and who knows? They could just work into all kinds of stuff. I see Bob from I Like to Make Stuff use his, not an incredible mm-hmm. amount, but enough to make me interested in it. Yeah, I think also it could be like, you know, I like to do a lot of paint and stuff like that on projects. It could be a way to make like stencils. Yeah, exactly. Like stencils for like doing different designs that you could just spray paint onto a piece to, I don't know, kind of like simply elevate things without needing a real expensive piece of equipment and and a bunch of different tools to to achieve it. Right on. Well, I'm excited to see that. I think it'll be pretty cool. Uh, Ben, what's happening in your world? Let's see. Well... As always, there's the back burner activities related to finishing up the container house, which we're just eking along, getting a little bit more, getting a couple things checked off the the checklist every week. Um, Hopefully should be wrapping up soon. In the DIY and video world, I'm about to publish the A-frame chin-up bar. That should be coming out as this podcast does. And I'm also working on a grill station for Home Depot, which will, you know, I've seen a lot of outdoor kitchens where they sort of, they build a grill into a set of shelves or cabinets that have countertops and stuff like that. Most of the ones that I've seen 
have been made out of like masonry or like covered in stone or made out of wood. So I'm welding one out of one inch square tube. Awesome. It's going together really great. Like, uh, I feel like I've really turned a corner on welding. I've just put in so many hours. And so it'll be a steel frame, concrete tops, and some tropical hardwood slatted shelves. And it's all it's all coming together pretty good. It's, it's feeling good to get back into uh, sort of DIY video mode. Other than that, I upped my game with the excavator and got an even larger one this time Uh from a rental company (laughs) and uh i don't are you getting good with it can you like can you whip it yeah i'm pretty good um (laughs) for you know having just learned but i feel like i can do the things that i need to do so one of the things i was doing is i started excavating a large hole on the top of my mountain you know making a volcano basically (laughs) on the top of my mountain (laughs) yes and i want to be able to say that someday so when you drive these things, they're, they have like the tank tracks. They're, there's no wheels. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty compact, so they feel like they're constantly going to tip over. And this, the mountain's pretty steep. So I was going up. Uh, I felt like it was, you know, kind of precarious. But then going down felt really dangerous. Yeah. But you can do this trick where you actually use, like, the scoop to stabilize and keep you from tipping over. Oh, nice. So it's like cra- a- Right. So you like put that out in the front. So it's only about, you know, eight inches off the ground. So if you start to lean forward, it hits and then tilts you back. Yeah, it's like a kickstand. Yeah, it it (laughs) definitely saved me uh, uh, many times. The other thing that's cool is if you get to such steep terrain where the tracks are just spinning and it's kicking out dirt, especially if the dirt's soft. Uh, you can actually use the arm to help sort of pull pull you up. Yeah. (laughs) Do a muscle up. Right, but it, it, it's crazy because then you're actually driving with like both hands on the joysticks, which is controlling the arm, and then you're using your feet for uh, controlling the tracks that are spinning. Because there's two pedals, there's a right and a left pedal for the tracks, so you're using both your feet and then both your hands <laughs> to like make this thing go up the mountain. So it's cool. It's a, it's yeah. a lot of fun. It'd be a good video game. I can imagine because it also doesn't go like incredibly fast. So you're going up this incline or you're going down this decline, kind of living on the edge, but it's also taking a while to <laughs> get anywhere. So it's just this prolonged, oh gosh. Just like yeah, a shot of you just like ah, screaming and then like a distant shot and you just see the thing traveling at like a half a mile an hour. Yeah. Five minutes <laughs> yeah. later. Yeah. It's funny. Like uh, I want to do when the house is done, I want to do like a big get together out here. You know, maybe in the spring or something, and I'd like to rent a couple things like that because I think it would just be fun to have like a bunch of makers out there, kind of joyriding these different vehicles. Um, <laughs> it's all fun till somebody loses a head. Yeah, no, no, I think they, they, they move. They move too slow to, to to injure somebody. So that's been fun. So I dug a big hole on the top of my mountain. Wait, hang on. What's going in this hole? I don't think you clarified oh, yeah. why you were doing it. It's hard to explain. It's not that I'm keeping this project uh, secret, but it's it's more of an abstract art kind of project or installation piece that I want for my own like amusement. Uh-huh. It, there will definitely be a video of it. But it's basically like a big glass dance floor in the middle of the on the top of the mountain in the middle of the desert. Hmm. That's going to light up. So you're making like a plateau? Yeah. Plateau dance floor? So I had to dig out underneath oh. where all the glass is going. And then so I can put the light underneath it. And yeah, we'll see how it comes out. I, I, I have a good <laughs> feeling about it. I'm about halfway through the fabrication of all the steel work that's going to hold the glass block. But uh, it's been something that's sort of in the back of my brain for a while. And see if it comes out but so it's something whenever i've been waiting for something on the construction site i'll just do a little bit of work on it's sort of a one of those continuous back burner projects doesn't that sound like it could be like some kind of ritzy club just called plateau and yeah. it's on top wow. <laughs> but you have to change how it's spelled just a little yeah. change how it's spelled just a little bit so maybe the e has one of those dash things over it or something this doesn't say you got to spell it weird but i think plateau already is spelled kind of weird so spell it real normal yeah, like it's one Play-Doh. of those projects that comes from like a. Do you, do you ever have like ideas where it's just like one scene? 
Like I'll yeah. watch movies sometimes. Like I was watching. Did you guys see the new Blade Runner movie? I didn't. No. no. Okay. So when you, it's, it's worth seeing just from a visual standpoint because you could, like it's really slow, but it's visually spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't watch it on the phone. Okay. But as you're watching a movie, you can all of a sudden see, oh, this was this was this frame was a storyboard in that went with the script proposal because it's just it's just perfect. There just there's just so many scenes in that movie that are just ridiculously well composed. Um, the the cinematographer, uh, the guy that directed, is normally a cinematographer, and so he just like goes all in on that kind of stuff. And so this is like an idea that's coming from like one kind of storyboard idea of like an epic shot of what it will look like, not necessarily from like an idea of function or utility or like, this is what I need. It's just really coming from this really gratuitous, like one cool scene I want, like of somebody standing on a glass platform that looks like it's coming out of the desert. Well, if that's not an artist, I don't know what is. Am I right, guys? (laughs) Yeah. Entrepreneur. (laughs) Hey, he's opening a club, so. That is pretty entrepreneurial. And it's called Plateau, P-L-A-T-T-O-E. Yeah, I was going to say... Plateau. <laughs> yeah, with a dash and then just like toe. Perfect. We're on the same page. Always. What do you got, Glenn, uh, Mike? So this week, I'm releasing the final video that I filmed in Joshua Tree. I know it's taken a while, and You'll be back I probably should have before. gotten this content out sooner than I have, but... It's funny, I stacked up all of this content so that I could get back to Oklahoma and then edit a lot. Mm -hmm. But the problem was, is I built up all of this content that I could edit, then I got to Oklahoma and immediately started filming new things Mm -hmm. and building new things. And so I've been really trying to squeeze in that hour and a half or that 45 minutes or two hours every day to just chip away at that footage. And I have finally gotten the final video from Joshua Tree done, and it is the what am I? What exactly am I going to call this thing? Maybe you guys can help me out because I haven't quite figured out the video title yet. But it is the DIY plate steel and sheet metal bender or break hmm. or press. I don't yeah. know exactly what I'm going to use there. So for all of the plate steel projects that I've done recently, like the desk that came out last week, and the other things like the coffee station where Ben and I have been bending a lot of plate steel, I wanted to build a little bit more of a permanent fixture that we could do that with. And so I just built a really simple jig that allows you to bend plate steel as long as you cut a groove into it, same way we have been lately, or sheet metal with really no assistance at all. And the cool thing about it is it clamps to a workbench or a tabletop and is really low profile so that whenever you're done using it, you can stow it away and it takes about as much space as a folding table, really. Uh, So just super compact, super efficient for when you need it, and when you don't, it's just out of the way. It's funny, I built it and then left three days later back to (laughs) Oklahoma, and so I haven't really got the chance to utilize it very much except for on that desk build. But in the next few weeks when I do get back out to Joshua Tree, I am very excited to put uh, put it to good use. I got a, a, a name idea for you. Awesome. I'm ready How for about it. How about the only metalworking tool you'll ever need slash metalworking slash woodworking DIY slime fidget spinner? Yes. Nailed it. I'll get some views. Um, <laughs> then what kind of text can we put on the thumbnail too? Like All of uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> it should just be pure text. You won't believe how good it yeah. works. Your jaw will drop the no. Nah, forget it. <laughs> yeah, we're out. We're out of we're out of clickbait. That's all we've got. No, I like it, but I think, but realistically, I still don't know if I'm going to call it like a press, a break, or a jig, or or what I can call it exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I I really don't know. But what is like? It's always that that trouble when there's like three terms that something gets gets called by, and which one do you go for? And I know. Sometimes you can use Google Trends to figure that stuff out, but sometimes it's in a weird kind of niche where it doesn't re- it doesn't really get you the results that you're wanting for or yeah. wanting. At the end of the day, though, I think that is what's going to be the deciding factor is yeah. Google Trends. Yeah. But awesome. But that's really it for me. Outside of that, I am just plugging away at the bathroom. I will have that done by the time this weekend is up. I'm very excited about that. I tiled all of the floors with big 12-inch by 24-inch they're porcelain, but they're marble floors, marble porcelain floors. Uh, apparently, porcelain is a lot easier to install and cheaper, so I definitely went with that. 
But goodness, that was an experience. Question May- for you guys. Oh, okay. So, and you don't have to get real into it. You can just give a, a number or a date answer. But so Ben for the tiny house and Mike for the bathroom. Going yeah. into these projects. Two weeks. Okay. It, two weeks was your time frame. And what did it actually end up being? So this is the weird part because I worked on it for about two weeks, maybe a week and a half. And then uh-huh. I paused so that I could do the clothing store build out. Okay. And now I have resumed. But overall, I'm probably on week three. I'm okay. probably fulfilling week three now. So it'll probably take a total of four. Okay. And then which ben, sounds about right. Like, figure out how long you think it's going to take, then double, then it. double it. And I know for Ben, <laughs> obviously, the, the bulk of the time went to just waiting for permit stuff. But do you remember when you started, like, what you thought the date that it was going to end was going to be? The amount of days of construction that I thought it would take was pretty accurate the the permitting is what took longer and now we're just kind of waiting for for finishing thing up the the thing that was unexpected was uh i spent more on labor than i thought i was going to right there it is oh there we go (laughs) i asked the hard-hitting questions baby awesome okay well where are we going from questions yeah i think we We have some Via direct messages on Instagram. That was a smooth segue. That was. A few weeks ago, whenever I put out the call on Instagram, I got a lot of responses in my DMs, and I screenshotted a few. So these are backdated questions um, that I have saved for a rainy day like this. Mm -hmm. So here we go. This one is coming from at Michael KRC. Topic idea for the podcast, time savers. What techniques do you use to speed up your workflow? I just paid $80 for delivery from Home Depot for an order of multiple sheets of plywood and drywall that was 100% worth it. P.S. Your podcast is one of my favorites. Thank you, Michael. That is great. You have a wonderful name. (laughs) Yeah, Mike, you could probably answer this. I think a really good time saver that you've used recently is, uh, I know on your bathroom remodel, you stopped in the middle to build out a store. Yeah, that's great. Big time saver. That doesn't, that doesn't save time at all. That extends it. <laughs> no, uh, guys, but no, what it's kind of funny. So what he just said kind of echoes back to whenever we first got out to Joshua Tree, Ben. Um, we were running with that Ford Explorer, which can haul plywood, but doesn't haul a ton of plywood. And so we just rented the Home Depot truck and probably bought 30 sheets, maybe 25 sheets of three-quarter inch pine plywood. That way we just had enough stock to just build projects like crazy for a solid month month and a half and mm-hmm. not have to worry about plywood runs all the time so i can definitely see where that comes in and working on this bathroom remodel not to just keep talking about it but holy cow the amount of home depot trips i have taken is absurd and you really don't think about it until you go every day at least once and it really starts adding up and you start thinking i think i've spent three hours at home depot this week yeah. And it's not it's not crazy until, you know, you tally up quite a few days and you really start like accumulating all this all this time there. No, I think that there's a weird um kind of like analogous to how it's easier to make money when you have money and that's that it's easier to like find time when you have time. So by that, mm. I mean, if you can work ahead a little bit, so similar to like your whole plywood thing. I'm always trying to kind of like have a project planned out maybe like two projects before I'm actually going to build it. And then that way I have like, if I know I'm not going to start something for two weeks, I have two weeks to make sure that I have every single material that I'm going to need when it comes time to do it. And you're already going to make trips to Home Depot or the lumber supplier between then. So just remember to pick it up. Exactly. I can get them then. Or if it's the things I need to order online, I don't have to wait for shipping or, you know, if it's just something specialty that I need to get from Rockler, whatever having everything ready to go but then it's like one of those things where in order to like get into that position you almost need to have a little bit of time banked so that you have time to start planning right yeah and i've been buying one extra of everything when i get it too i think that's a good idea yeah it's an interesting question because especially when it comes to making because in some ways some of the the higher end or loftier associations with making are of very tedious craftsmen, right? People that spend hundreds of hours making something perfect. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, there's a strong association of burning time with making at the highest level. Or at least that's always, I've always had this picture of somebody making a violin and just like 
right. taking forever to do it. But from a business standpoint, you know, saving time and efficiency is really important. And it's not about sort of uh, this like tour de force who can put the most amount of labor into this tiny little wooden box. It's about how do I keep things moving so that uh, I can pay the bills and produce enough product so that, that, that the world think is valuable in an amount of time uh, that I have to support and sustain myself. So when it comes to being efficient and not wasting time or saving time, the, I think the most helpful first step is to put a value on your time an actual price tag on what your hour is worth and not worth be, not in the idealistic sense of saying like, Oh, I would like people to pay me $10,000 an hour. But in the realistic standpoint is that when I have a good week, I make about this much per hour. And so setting that helps you make better decisions about when and where to spend more money on materials, for example, or to not save that extra little piece of scrap because it's going to cost you three hours. So if you know the value of your time, it helps you make better decisions about when to spend more on tools and materials or extra pieces and things like that. From a tip standpoint, I think one of the things that can save the most time is to have extra space. Yeah, Having extra space allows you to be more flexible with how you manage your time. It allows you to do two projects. If you don't have a lot of like physical space, and let's say you just have one work area or one workbench, while you're waiting for glue to dry, that sort of back burner time, you can't do anything else. If you have enough physical space use while you're waiting for the glue to dry or the paint or whatever it is, you can move on and start prepping the next project. So think about where things are interchangeable. Where can you trade material waste to move faster? Uh, where can you uh, spend more f- uh, or monetary capital, spend more money to stockpile tools and materials so you have to make less supply runs Mm -hmm. to save times so you can trade money for time you can trade space for time you can trade all these things for time and they're all interchangeable the overall way to be efficient is to have you don't have to like map this out in the uh, excel spreadsheet or anything like the way brad rodriguez would what's up brad (laughs) um you can just do this kind of casually but if you have just a rough idea about how these different categories are interchangeable and what they mean to you it'll help you make better decisions in real time along the way you know i've been thinking about last week you were talking about your idea for that sort of modular metalworking thing that i I think you talked about like nascar or something or yeah the way that they organize their tools and i was at the doctor's office and you know they always have like the cart with all the little tools and so i was thinking about scalpel (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was being operated on. Uh, no, um, so I was thinking, oh, that would actually be like a pretty cool idea to have just like a few little stations that were just like, you know, all of the common things that you reach for when you're drilling and screwing things together or sanding. Yeah, exactly. Having like five of those sort of modular little stations. Yeah. So I was thinking about what could I do to create something that would kind of fulfill that. And I always get this weird like paralysis when I'm thinking about those things, which you'd think I would have an answer for it you know, after several years of doing this, but always I'm like, what things would I put in it? Like I can only ever think of like two things at the moment when I'm trying to think of it. And as soon as it's in your shop, it's overflowing because there's a million and one things that can go everywhere. I really like that idea though. Having a cart with all your sanding stuff or a cart with uh, like all of your stuff. If you're making circular saw or track saw cuts, that's a pretty neat idea, especially especially in a shop because you've got a lot of wall space that you can store it. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it would be even cooler if you made them like, I think, Ben, you even talked about this, like in a way where they can kind of nest together so that they, mm-hmm. you know, they Voltron to make like a big, then, you know, they all go under a table or whatever that you use as an assembly table or whatever. That's really neat. Uh, have you been designing it in SketchUp? Have you been thinking about it much or is this literally just kind of a first thought? Uh, no, I thought about it when I was at the doctor's office uh, two days ago and, and mm-hmm. then... I haven't like drawn anything out, just kind of thinking about it. That's pretty cool. What, one way to sort of save time and make it easier, you could just get a bunch of, like Jesse did those plywood shells with all those Ikea bins in them, which is actually super useful because we work with so many different materials. And then after a project, we have a bunch of like little pieces of Velcro that Mike has left over from that headboard thing he did. Or I have like a bunch of brass pipe fittings that I never used for a project that I thought I was going to do, right? So having a bunch of these sort of white bins 
that we can then label with the little like press labeler mm-hmm. uh, is been really handy. And then they all when you when you put everything away, it looks really nice and clean because all these white bins on these simple plywood shelves just looks really clean and organized. So one thing you could do too, if you don't want, I mean, you could obviously make really awesome carts with trays and stuff like that. But I could even imagine just getting a bunch of like stainless steel like cookie <laughs> cookie trays, but they have like a one inch lip, and then just like routing some slots and some plywood so that those stainless steel trays just slide right in oh, yeah um you know something just as simple as that could could really organize things the other thing that i found another way to sort of save time is to never have to dig underneath something and i like to do this with like clothing it is my ideal dresser it all ha- it, all the drawers in the dresser would be really shallow so that you could only put like one shirt deep you would never stack anything (laughs) so you're never looking underneath something you just pull it out but they'd be really long so you pull the drawer you see immediately everything that's in the drawer and decide whether you're going to grab something or not so you'd want like a um like a art prince drawer right stacking is where you where you you waste a ton of time no um i've got a different outlook on that I just have like 10 of, ten the, of same the same shirts shirt. in different colors. <laughs> well, I do too. And they just all Steve stack. Jobs it. And so yeah. now they don't like take... Like a Pez dispenser. Exactly. So on a horizontal <laughs> plane, they don't take up much space at all because I've only got like six different colors of shirts. But vertically, yeah. that's where all the efficiency is gained. Yeah, but, like but, but thinking about things that way, where it's not always... I think when people think of efficiency or saving time, they're trying to think of a specific technique or a jig in the shop. But... I think what we're all, and there's plenty of really cool ways to do things faster that way. Yeah. But I think what we're all kind of saying is we're all pointing to kind of different ways of sort of organizing or conceptualizing your work in general to to reduce the amount. You guys remember back in the day before you knew everything, right? Oh, yeah. Picture yourself back then. Yeah. I remember that. Do you remember trying to figure out what's the best straight edge to use with a circular saw? Or, man, I've got to use a router. How do I, like, how, not knowing the thing that works best for you. So for me, mm-hmm. like, the end of the day is, like, I built a track saw jig for the circular saw. But before that, I had decided that just a scrap of MDF with clamps was the best straight edge for me. But prior to using that, I used two different straight edges from Harbor Freight, which were garbage. Um, every scrap piece of material you can think of from like scrap plate steel to scrap plywood to scrap two by fours, one by fours, everything until I figured out what worked best for me. That's a huge time saver is just standardizing how you work or what your workflow is. So even that could even be just to harken back to sanding earlier is back in the day, I wasn't sure should I go from 80 grit to 150 to 220 or should I go from 100 to 150. There's all those grits in between. And before I realized that for me, that just going 80, 120, 150 works great for me. Mm-hmm. Like I wasted all kinds of time sanding to 300 grit, 400 grit, not knowing that it was all kind of diminishing returns. Yeah. What are some of those things, those workflow things that before you were just taking the long road on? Maybe finishing? Oh. <laughs> Before simple Before finish, simple came into finish my life. am I right? <laughs> oh my god, the hours wasted. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just joking about that. But maybe it's even like how you're storing your tools so that whatever you're using quickest is just always right there. Like you, maybe you use a circular saw a lot, but before it was kind of tucked underneath something else that you didn't use as often. Yeah, I mean, I do usually have like the things that I want to that I know I'm going to grab a lot, uh-huh. easily accessible, and that's actually changed a lot for me recently. Um, you know, with the addition of that whole like husky workbench thing that i got in my garage and then yeah all the all the uh, reorganization that i did um just because what's up oh no i was gonna let you keep going i was just saying i was gonna go next my bad okay just because when i started like it was and i think most garages are probably this way by default it's a bunch of big storage which is kind of to go back to what ben was talking about it's really inefficient because you end up with things just piled on top of each other so that was like the first thing that i got rid of when I started doing any kind of reorganization in my garage, just having like a bunch of small stuff. And then honestly, the big things that I know that I'm going to grab a lot are not even behind something. They're just like sitting on something. So I just grab it. Right. Whenever I was, I was hoping you were just going to say what I was, what I was thinking, but you didn't. But one tool that you use quite a bit that I don't really see other people use that has evolved a little bit throughout your content Mm -hmm. timeline is 
your flush trim system for edge banding oh, man. plywood. That thing. Wait, it, you see the new one? I know that thing has become some sort of like robot. I don't understand. No, dude, I got a, a new technique that uh, it'll be in the the wireless uh, charger video. So somebody, I can't remember who, but somebody wrote to me on Instagram and and shared this idea with me and then like sent me a couple pictures of it so it's like oh i gotta build this thing so you guys know how i always build the little like carriage things for my table saw fences right yeah um so it's one of those and then you make it so that the part that like normally would be the big face that you attach things to it's hovering off of the table by like just say a half of an inch or whatever so that what you do is you make it come up flush with your table saw but there's space under it. So once you have your edge banding on, whatever's overhanging the plywood can fit under it. And then you just run it across vertically and the flu- and the, the saw just trims flush with the face of the plywood. Whew. So that, fast. That's scary to me. But then again, you have your tools set up a lot more precisely than I do particularly. But does the blade never get into the, cut the plywood, uh, the face? I mean, it would just be how you set it. So, yeah. like, you know, it's resting on your fence. So you just would, like, I, I would recommend probably, like, get it up so that it's flush with your saw and then just back it off, like, ever so slightly. Right. You know, like, with a feeler gauge or just, like, give it, like, one little tap. So it's just just, just shy of little. it. Yeah. And then you could just get, like, an off-cut piece of plywood that you have and run it over it and just make sure it doesn't, like, cut through the veneer or anything. But, yeah, if you, you know, you could just make it so it's a 64th of an inch proud or whatever and then just sand it you'll get it when you do your sanding but man it works good and you and like, like it more than the the palm router you've been using it's just so fast like the table saw is just so like i mean the other thing is good it's it's called the um little lipper by fast cap it is very it's the best thing that i found in terms of routing you know it's been the quickest solution that i've found but um yeah this thing like you know if you have to do four pieces two sides you know a whole cabinet or whatever it still takes time with the router you're clamping things down you're flipping it over you're cleaning up the mess that you make the table saw it's like i could do those four pieces in two minutes well that's pretty cool ben do you got any cool tricks jigs ways of using tools that have sped up your workflow significantly that you could pass on to the listeners don't dig things by hand rent a giant excavator no um the one I've been, uh, it was funny, like while Chris was talking, I was sort of thinking thinking about, oh, well, I don't really do that thing. So what is my equivalent? And having multiple angle grinders, I would say, is my sort of time saver. Oh, yeah. And right now we have five angle grinders, two cordless and three corded. And each one has a different setup. One, you know, some have grinding discs, some have thin ones or thin cutting discs, some have flap discs for sanding, some have flat uh, sanding discs on them. And what's nice is that you only need one angle grinder, but a it's not an expensive tool. You can get uh, like the Ryobi ones we use for thirty nine dollars, and they're they're fantastic. So it's worth spending that extra forty dollars to me. Not saying this for everyone. They also don't take up a lot of room, uh, just to not have to spend the you know the the three minutes of switching things out in between cutting and grinding, and uh, just sort of switching uh, uh, to, you know switching around for you know what you need is is super handy for the container. It was it was invaluable, specifically to have a combination of of cordless ones and corded ones. Um, so that you know. Th- think it's weird because when you're when you're first starting out you kind of think that well i need a full shop full of tools so i need one of everything but i think what i have found and i and i think this is true for most people and i think actually the way mike described urban timbers shop uh, would sort of reiterate this you (laughs) find what you use most Right, and get either really high quality versions of that or a ton of redundancy in that department. Like I, I always want to have multiple angle grinders. I always want to have a couple circular saws, so one can be set up for the track saw constantly, and one can be with that. One can have a finished blade, and one can have a ripping blade. Yeah. I always want a bunch of sanders because that's something where a lot of people can help finish one project. We could have three people sanding easily at the same time, so. Uh, let's have a bunch of different sanders. I don't need multiple chop saws. <laughs> one of those, right? Yeah. Uh, so 
Whereas like a jigsaw only need one, like a, 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 I don't use it that often. Same thing with like routers and, and, and things like that. So there's a lot of specialty tools that I don't use, but the tools that I use, the drills, the circular saws, the angle grinders, I want a yeah. ton of those. So like my, my ideal shop would be tons of space, a whole bunch of the same tools, like a wall of, you know, of the right tools like i like using a drill and a driver pre-drill holes drive the in the screws um so you know it's not about having every tool ever made every kind of weird specialty corner clamp and all those things it's often about having just a whole bunch of good stuff of the things you use the most right and i think that that idea extrapolates out for pretty much anybody like you just even mentioned routers that you don't use them a lot but like your angle grinder could be somebody else's router because oh, yeah. that's this it's almost the exact same tool where it's like it'll take you five minutes to change out the bit and set up the next time but if you use those things all the time just have two routers you know what it's like have you ever bought like a replacement cartridge for an inkjet printer oh, and yeah. it has like an even amount of like the black ink yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. cyan the yellow and right this all the cmyk colors mm-hmm. that's dumb the smart packs have a way bigger of the black ink and then smaller ones of those things because that's more proportionally how you use it. That's how your shop should be. Right. Yeah, I mean, if I, ha- if I could have my dream shop, like I literally would have three table saws in it. I would have one that's just like ripping, cross-cutting, dado. Yeah, I could see you in a classic Frank Howarth shop and be very content. Frank, if you want a roommate. <laughs> a shop <laughs> me up. Frank's he the best. Eat. Chris can live in one of the cabinet saws uh, underneath it. I don't make a mess. I'm quiet. <laughs> I just got to do a podcast on a uh, Tuesday nights. Yeah. I'm going to close this out, this time-saving topic, by saying the one that I think saves maybe more time than any other, and it is not waiting overnight for your glue to dry. Oh, yeah. If it's been an hour, I'm done. I'm cutting that thing. I am pretending like it's been drying for three days. Yeah, in the right environment, it, it dries pretty dang fast. Yeah, yeah. People that are sticklers about making sure their glue-ups are clamped for a long time. I'm not saying you're wasting your time, because if that's if that matters to you, and if it were to delaminate, and if it was that big of a deal, then it's totally worth it. But for me, holy cow, not waiting for glue to dry overnight. That is big. Actually, I have a question about this. So, okay. Just something came up very unrelated to actually like making stuff but just on the topic of time sa- time saving so those services like um like grubhub and stuff where they deliver food to you mm-hmm. like i remember when i first heard of those i always thought like oh man what a waste like i wouldn't want to spend that money to do something like that but when man when you're in the middle of working like i think that would be well worth five or seven bucks or whatever it would cost to not stop i think that's actually one of the hugest time wasters is just like being interrupted. So, do you use any I've of those? I've never done it, but I've 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 been thinking about it more. Like, oh, I should start using a service like. So this. you just start yelling, Dolores, <laughs> quiet, <laughs> make me a sandwich, more pop tarts. <laughs> no, I'm with you though, because if if you say lunch delivered takes 15 minutes, but if you go get it, it takes 45. Depending on w- yeah. what your hourly rate is, like you just saved a lot of money, right? Right. Yeah. It actually, there's. Depending on what you're doing and, and, you know, obviously if you're, it's very different when you're producing stuff as a hobby. And so like, I don't even see why it's, I always think it's funny when you see things that are about time saving, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, here's a way to cut your hobby short. Exactly. It, I don't know, it's, <laughs> it seems kind of counterintuitive when it's that way. But yeah, if you're doing it, uh, if it was like a, a money issue, you could actually easily make a case that you're saving money doing something like that. Right. Treat it like a resource management game. Know your inputs, know your outputs, and know your exchange rates between these different categories. And then, you know, have fun sort of planning it out and figuring out the best way you're going to be the most efficient across time, money, and uh, uh, productivity. I'm with it. So I want to transition to your guys' obsessions, but I want to go first this week because mine is not so much about saving time, but it's more about valuing your time. Uh, A common Mm. question that I get emailed all the time, especially now that I've put out a few videos recently where I'm building products or projects for other people, the dining table recently, the conference table and the desk for Gary Vee, all this kind of stuff. People have been asking me, how the heck should I be pricing my work? And I don't blame them. Mm. Whenever I was building stuff 
back in my college days, that was something that I was very concerned with. Like, am I charging enough? The answer was no. Uh, I wish I could go back in time and tell myself that. But even back then, I was thinking like, should I be charging more or am I charging too much? Am I like taking advantage of people because they're my friends and they're just going to say yes or because they're acquaintances? Mm -hmm. Um, All of this kind of stuff. Well, leave that all to rest because you should all go to make something. David Picciuto's channel, who is an amazing woodworker and even yet an amazing guy. (laughs) And he has a video titled exactly this. You could Google it and you will find it. How to price your work, period, a simple technique. Now, this video is about two years old. I watched it when it came out, and it was of great value to me then. And I recently emailed it to about 12 people this week because I had a, an especially large number of people ask about it. But mm-hmm. he goes into the idea of day rates. And for anyone that's not aware of what that is, it's essentially instead of charging by the hour, which is what most people would commonly think to do if they're building pieces is scrap that you should be charging a day rate because no matter what you do it's either going to take at least a half a day or a full day no matter how small the project you still got to get the materials you've still got to prep you've still got to put the finish on you and build it so nothing's going to take an hour so you might as well just chunk it up if i'm building this dining table it's going to take me three days um so what is your day worth to you multiply how many days by your day rate and then add in material and you've got a very simple equation for figuring out how much you should be charging for your work. Um, So yeah, that was something that after seeing that video, I took it to heart. It made things a lot simpler for me. And regardless of whether I was or am charging the price that I should be, it is the right price for me because I have decided personally my day rate is this amount. And just make your day rate something that's worth it to you. And as long as it is, you're never wasting your time. How does that sound, Chris? Sounds pretty good. The only thing I'd add is since that video is two two years old, make sure you adjust for inflation. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's funny. Is that what you did back in the day? Or were you an hourly kind of guy? whenever you were doing commissioned projects? It was kind of both. Like, I think when I first started, I thought about it in hours. Like, but subconsciously, I was more thinking about it in days Because, yeah, I mean, for me, there was no project that was a day project. Like, everything was three days minimum, probably. Um, And so, yeah, I pretty much was just doing, like, cost of material. Obviously, you have your other costs, electricity, maintenance, all that kind of stuff. So, there's no way of accurately calculating that at the level that we would be doing it at. But I just kind of, like, factor it in. Awesome. So, yeah, that is Make Something. And his name is David Petrudo. If you're not watching this, watching his videos, you should be already. And you should be listening to his podcast with Jimmy DeResta and Bob Claggett. Yeah. And he should put on his business card, David, if you're listening, it should be amazing woodworker, better human. Wow. You one up to me. I said amazing guy. <laughs> that wasn't good enough, huh? <laughs> eh, it's more eloquent for a business card, I think. Fine. All right, Mr. Eloquent. What's your obsession this week? I was going to talk about cleaning my ears, but instead... I think I'm going to use this time to thank everybody for all the really nice, encouraging messages that I received after last week talking about quitting my nine to five and going full time with this. Um, Got a lot of messages from people, had some patrons like up their pledge amount. Uh, So it's very encouraging, very positive. Um, I just I just wanted to say thank you for everything that that you guys have said and for being so positive and so encouraging because uh, it, it really does help to you know it's it's I'm not afraid to say like this is a scary time in my life like I don't want to say I'm taking a giant risk or whatever but it's definitely risky and a lot of things are going to be changing for me so it, it's nice to have that support I think it, like I almost feel kind of bad in a way for people who do this where they're not putting content out there so they have like strangers watching and commenting on it if you were just starting a business you would have all these same fears but with not as much of a support system obviously you'd have your friends and your family and i have those things as well but having it from so many different places really makes it easier yeah that's so thank you. that's really awesome that's really cool to hear well you're welcome you know thanks mike you've all been the support very supportive from <laughs> i'm just joking and ben even started following me on instagram wow you know you really made it then well for me mine of the week is a movie have you seen the movie upgrade 
No, Upgrade. It sounds familiar. It's a action sci-fi thriller, I guess would oh, be yeah. the, the, the genres that it overlaps. It's really good. And it is, it's clever. It's, yeah. Uh, I think it's out on, like, streaming services now. It came out earlier uh, in the year. But uh, I hadn't seen, like, I, I, you know what it reminds me of? It's not like John Wick, but it's, so, I, dis, I experienced in a similar way. Where I was just like, huh, this movie looks sort of random. And then it's actually like, at first was kind of underhyped. But then you watch it and you're like, wait, that, that was really creative. And it does a lot of things that most uh, that normal action movies don't and is a little bit smarter. So it's somewhere in between like John Wick and The Matrix. And other Keanu Reeves movies. Yeah. Bill and Ted's in there. It's good. <laughs> awesome. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was a ton of fun for us. This was a great topic. Thank you to Michael for submitting it. If you have any topic suggestions that you would like us to talk about, you can always email us. That is modernmakerpodcast at gmail.com. But an even better way and more convenient way to do that is just DM us personally. Together, we're at Modern Maker Podcast on Instagram, but you can also find us at Benjamin Ueda, at Four Eyes Furniture, and at Modern Builds. Don't forget, MakerBrandCo.com is where you can get Simple Finish. It's where you can get the Maker Brand clamps. It's where you can get more products in the future. That's right. We're still developing things, and it's going to be amazing. We're going to take over the woodworking world. You heard it here first, people. I went off on Very that nice. one. If you haven't already, we <laughs> love points. iTunes reviews. It just lets the iTunes app know that we're a good show and that it should suggest us uh, to people that are interested in this type of show. So thank you again for listening. We really do appreciate that. And we will see you next time on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everyone. Later. Bye. Nice. We had a good show that time. That was good. It went, yeah, an, was a good it went an hour and it didn't feel like it. Mm-hmm.